Hi, and welcome to A Sober Girls Podcast. My name is Sherry, and I am your host. Every Wednesday, we get together and we talk about our journey in sobriety, what we used to be like, what happened, and what we are like now. I've been sober for over 10 years now, and I realized that one of the biggest mistakes I ever made was just putting the plug in the jug and not drinking. I never took care of my emotional sobriety, did my step work, or was fully involved in the program until it was almost too late. This is my story, my experience, strength, and hope and what life is like for me on a daily basis as a recovering alcoholic and addict. I am so glad that you are with me and now let's get into it. What's up fam and happy Wednesday. I hope that you're having a great start to your week. I am really glad to be back from vacation. I know that the last time we had spoken, I was headed back to Minnesota to go home and see friends and family. It was a really, really good trip. This trip was definitely a lot better than the trip last year that I had when I went home. It was filled with a lot more love, acceptance, less anxiety. I hung out with the people that I wanted to be with. I hung out with the people that meant the most to me. And I even got to meet a sober friend back home. If you guys have the opportunity and you wanna meet some people in your area, I am part of a really cool movement. It's on Instagram, so yep, you have to go to Instagram, but when you go to Instagram, you'll be able to see um, there's a bunch of us, and it is called Sober City Movement, and there are sober people in every single city. Now, right now, it's all women running the accounts and all women in the meetups, but I do know that a lot of us also have men that intermingle with us, and it's not all the time. But there are some retreats and events where men um, participate as well. But if you are looking for a place to find support and love and acceptance, this movement is so cool, you guys. Let me just read you a couple of the um, ones that are in here. We have Sober in Boise, Sober in Olympia, Sober in Charlotte, Sober in Grants Pass, Cleveland, Connecticut, Vancouver, um, St. Pete, Oklahoma City, Eugene, no idea where that is, sober in Houston, sober in Tacoma, sober in Denver. So as you can tell, there's tons and tons of us all over, and it's all part of this thing called Sober City Movement, and it's just showing people outside of AA or who choose to not be in AA. A lot of us, I believe, are in AA, however, um, that there is a place to find acceptance and love and creativity and get-togethers. It's really an awesome group of people. So I would highly suggest that you go and check it out. You can find mine. Mine is Sober in Richmond because I am out here in Richmond, Virginia, but there's also Sober in Minneapolis and she's really awesome and that's who I got a chance to meet. So everywhere I go, I can I know that when I travel somewhere, I have a safe place to go. Even if it's not an AA meeting, you can actually make plans with these friends and people and make it together. So that was a really big highlight of my trip. And this gal went out of her way to get up at 5.30 in the morning. I guess she's a morning person anyway. I am not a morning person at all, but I was for her because she drove an hour and a half north to see me. And that, (laughs) 
that's a lot because I have people in my life who won't even drive five minutes to see me. I have people in my life that won't even um, offer to come up and see me at my mom's place. So I definitely um, appreciated her coming up to see me. It was a lot of fun. She's nine months sober. She is absolutely on fire for sobriety too, which is really kind of neat. I really like seeing that she is so into everything that she does. She is on board. She is in the mix of it. And it really is nice to have that. I really appreciate that people are, when they get sober, that people are excited about their sobriety. And that really helps going into it because as daunting as sobriety can be, going into it is really, really scary. And it's because we know that we have to clean up the wreckage, clean up the past. And right before I left on vacation, I was talking to you guys about people, places, and things and how I avoid certain things like the plague because I am so afraid of being triggered. I am, and I hate, hate, hate that word. Um, but it's accurate. I hate being triggered. I hate the idea of possibly relapsing or having a breakdown, having, you know, a relapse. And I, I know that it's not just, oh, hey, I'm going to walk into this bar, or see this person and relapse. I understand that it starts before I get there. I understand that if I'm in my head and I'm telling myself I'm going to relapse, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that, that that is what is going to happen. I am going to manifest these ha things into happening, and that's not, that's not what I want at all. So it is really, really important that I make sure to tell myself, hey, if these are places that you don't feel comfortable going then you have to be able to say that. You have to be able to tell people this is not a good idea. Well, we got into St. Cloud because my flight got in so early. My son and I, the flight got in so early. Um, and my son wanted to stop immediately after breakfast because we had to get breakfast. He wanted to stop at my alma mater. And so we stopped at St. Cloud State to get him a hat. And I haven't been on campus since I sobered up 12 years ago. I also moved away. So, you know, that definitely has helped. But I've gone to avoid that place, not only because of my drinking and things like that. Not only, I know I'm not going to see anyone I knew on campus that I recall or remember. Um, I know that that's not going to happen because I'm old as dirt and I'm not going to see anyone there that is obviously going to school still. But there's also a lot of history there for me. My mentor that basically got me into photography and had me set on the path to being a really good photographer, um, a sports photographer, um, he passed away. And it's been hard for me to go back because it makes me think of him. And it makes me think of everything that he did for me, everything that he believed in about me, and it hurts. It hurts a lot. So when you have trauma mixed with pain, it makes going back to things difficult. But at the same time, I do have to say that when we talk about in the rooms and in the big book that we, we will not regret the past nor wish to shut the door on it, that means that we 
can finally go to certain places and do certain things because we have healed properly. We have healed the way that we need to heal to be able to be around those people, places, or things. And if we are to shut the door on it, if we are to forget it, history is doomed to repeat itself. You've heard that before, right? That things we forget are doomed to repeat. And so I think when I went on campus and I saw everything that I saw from the housing to, you know, the classes, it was really cool because I was able to actually point out where I had all my classes, even though I probably didn't go very much. It was really kind of neat that that was one of the things that I noticed. And it was it was really nice to go back and smell and feel the fall crisp air and have the good memories associated with that place and not just the bad ones. And the and I don't know if necessarily all of them were bad because nothing bad happened to me on campus. And I was actually talking to my friend Amy um and we were talking about meeting up the night before. And this was late on Tuesday night before I flew in on Wednesday. And she had said to me, oh, my husband went to St. Cloud State. And I'm like, oh, my God, are you serious? I was like, that's insane. I said, so was I. and Or so did I. And um, she had said, you know, what years did you go there? I said, oh, I'm sure he wasn't there the same time as me. I said, I I drank all the way through college. I said, I barely graduated. Like, I said, I'm quite sure that we weren't there the same years. And so I told her the years that I was there. And she's like, oh my God, that's when he was there. And I was like, oh fuck. And so <laughs> on that Tuesday night before I'm getting ready to leave, I've just finished the podcast about people, places, and things. I had just talked about triggers and everything else that was going on. And it dawns on me that less than 12 hours before I'm supposed to leave for Minnesota, the woman that I'm supposed to meet on Saturday morning, I may have very well slept with her husband. And do you know how insanely daunting that is? Like, what do I say to her at this point? How do I say, hey, by the way? And she laughed and she was like, that's okay. He slept around too. She's like, I can't fault him for anything that he did. While he was there, she's like, I just hope that you're not one of the girls that he was mean to. And I just went, oh, God, I fucked this guy. I absolutely know 110% like I slept with this guy. And I was like, oh, good, good. Um, So what's his name? And she told me his name. And I was like, oh, I definitely didn't sleep with someone by that name. Now, I know what you're thinking. How do you know for sure? Well, I can pretty much confirm everybody that I know that I slept with, um, which I know sounds bad, but I've got a very photographic memory. And um, I was like, yeah, that's, he's definitely not someone I slept with. And I was like, okay. I said, well, that's good. And I said, well, what would we have done? And she's like, I don't know. She's like laughed about it. So in that moment, I knew that as daunting as my past was, that no matter what had happened in the past or what was coming up now, I knew that at this point in time that I was going to be able to deal with what was going to come for me and be there for me. Because if I can meet a new friend online, have such a good relationship with her, and then 12 hours before I'm supposed to leave, find out that her husband and I not only attended the same college, 
but basically slept with the entire college, but missed out sleeping with each other and drank our entire time through college, that everything was going to be okay. <laughs> and it was. It was it was great. I went back to campus and my son got the stuff that he wanted. He got his, you know, his hat and everything like that. So we um we walked around campus and, you know, my mom and I started joking around a little bit about my time there. And it was really weird because she's like, well, what kind of GPA did you graduate with? And I'm like, I don't, I, I don't know. Maybe like, I think it was like a, I think it was 284, 2.84, or it was 204. It was either way, listen, I graduated <laughs> and it wasn't good. Um, but uh, I still graduated and my mom's like, well, you definitely got a 4.0 and drinking though huh and partying and I just looked at her and I was like what just happened like she totally flipped the script on me she totally flipped everything on me to the point where I was like comfortable and joking about it and it was this huge relief in my relationship with my mother it was this huge burden that I'd always wondered what she'd thought of me I'd always wondered what she thought of who I was as a person. I'd always thought that I was a failure or that I had let her down. And even though we had had hundreds of conversations over the past 12 years about how far I've come, how well I'm doing, how proud of me she is, there's still that elephant in the room that is my past and my history. There still is that elephant in my room that is who I was. And because of her breaking that ice and making that comment, it showed me she was okay. She was okay with me. She was okay with everything I was as a person and everything that I had gone through. It's hard for her to talk about my previous marriage because of how abusive he was. You know, that's really an emotional topic for her and for me too, you know, it, it really is. And so we had never talked about college before. We had never talked about those years that I was there um, and the things that I had done, the people I had seen, the, you know, any of it. And so for me, it was a holy cow, she is okay with me. And that for me, I think was the perfect way to start off my weekend because it allowed me the opportunity to really continue that relationship with my mother over the weekend. We had some amazing, amazing talks. We had some amazing interactions. Um, the things that we had talked about, she she and I talked about um, family heirlooms. We talked about relationships. We talked about growing up, my son. Like, we talked about so many different things. And I am finally at a place at 42 years old where I finally feel like my mom loves me. And I know, you guys, don't please, he please hear me out. I know my mom loves me. I know she is proud of me, okay? I, I do. She's told me. She has made sure that I understand. I get it. But that being said, right? That being said, 
I also have this fear, this really horrible fear of not really knowing who I am to her. And so when she was able to tell me that she was proud of me, when she told me that she was okay with who I was by breaking open the conversation, it just allowed for that relationship to continue and grow. And now I am really anxious and excited to get back. I want to go back. I want to go back now. I want I want to be with my mom. I want to hang out with my mom and have those conversations. Um, the conversations that you have um, in person and not over the phone. I realize that my mom and I text back and forth a lot, but that relationship is only so good um, because there's something about community and fellowship. And a gentleman brought this up in um, AA the other day, actually. He uh, made the point that there's something about the fellowship of AA, right? There's something about the the grouping, the being together, the physicality of everything. It's just like going to church or being a part of another community. The fellowship is what allows us to grow together. And so, you know, I really appreciated my mom's fellowship the last time I was home and it wasn't enough. You know, my mom's like, oh, you don't want me hanging out with all your friends. You don't want me doing this and doing that. And I, but that's the thing. I do. I want my mom. I absolutely 110% want my mom to be with me everywhere I go because not only is she so much fun, not only is she absolutely fantastic, but she really truly is my best friend and I love her. So, pardon me. So for me, I really feel like that, that everything that I went through last year when I was home, everything that I went through with people showing, showing me who they truly are, they don't bother me anymore. Um, the only thing that bothers me is that I allowed myself to have such low self-esteem. I thought that those people were what I needed in my life. And now, because of that, because of everything that I've gone through, going home this time, I didn't want to leave. I didn't want to leave my best friend. I didn't want to leave my mom. Um, my two best guy friends, uh, Roy and Jim, are there as well. And I didn't want to leave them. Um, it was exceptionally difficult to leave. And a part of me really does want to move home when my son's done with high school because I absolutely am finally okay. But I quit running away, right? I quit running away. I quit going home out of obligation. I quit doing all the self-sabotaging things that made my life more difficult, that made it hard for me to be able to properly heal and be sober. When you don't work your program, when you don't do all the things that are necessary to, to protect yourself and your sobriety, you really do lay the foundation for getting hurt. You really do lay the foundation for um, repeating history. And it doesn't even have to be a alcoholic 
relapse. It can be an emotional relapse. And you guys have seen me go through an emotional relapse, heard me go through an emotional relapse. You know, it's really one of those things that if you have never really experienced it before, it's, I don't want to say it's worse than an alcohol relapse because I've never relapsed. To this day, I haven't relapsed. Um, of course, we don't know what the future holds. Um, but if you uh, ever had a mental breakdown or a relapse emotionally, you know that it just feels like your insides are being ripped out. You feel like there's no purpose. You feel like there's nothing that you are worthy of. Um, you know that there's nothing <laughs> that can make anything feel better. And that's the part that I absolutely hate. That's the part that I um, don't wish upon anybody for an emotional relapse. Uh, and I feel like the emotional relapse comes at a time when we are not taking care of our heart and our head I feel like the more we get away from taking care of our mental health, the more we um, put ourselves in a position to only not emotionally relapse, but relapse overall. So I just was so appreciative of my time home. And I am so glad that I did not completely shut the door on my past. And you guys, there's so many times when I've wanted to shut the door on my past. There are so many times when I've wanted to be like, oh my God, like, I wish I could just forget this. I wish I could take it out of my brain and remove it and just put it in a box and never have to open that box again. Because that's exactly, I don't want to feel that pain. I don't want to see that memory. I don't want to have to deal with what comes with that. But at the same time, I also appreciate that, that past because it reminds me what happens when I don't take care of myself. And also that pain that I went through is allowing me to help someone else. I saw this on a TikTok the other day and this guy had said, do you ever feel like you were just created to help other people? Will you have this, why doesn't anything good ever happen to me? Or why can't that happen for me? And it's you know, God saying to you, because I created you to help others. And I do feel that way. Um, most days, not all days. I do know that there are days that people genuinely enjoy my friendship and my existence. <laughs> but it's not because I'm not a movie star. It's not because I'm not famous or, you know, it's not because I don't live in a 15 room mansion but I just genuinely feel like sometimes I'm like, God, like, ugh, when is something going to happen for me or with me or to me that is ever good? Like, I keep doing all the things that you put on my heart, God. I keep doing all the things that you ask of me, and I am getting nothing in return, man. Like, what is going on? So, and I know that's a really shitty way to be a Christian, I know that's a really shitty way to be in service. So I just know that being a part of something, being a part of something that is big and great and grand isn't necessarily the way to go through life, right? God is blessing me. He is. He's blessing me. I see it. I feel it. I know it. But I was not the one created to be 
the person that has the perfect life, the person that, and not that we do, we don't have a perfect life, right? But I was not that person who was created to have the red carpet life, the wealth and fame, the, you know, continuous cash flow. And I know that this is the life that has been chosen for me, and that's okay. Um, does it suck sometimes? I mean, sure, right? Like, who wouldn't love to stumble upon half a million dollars without playing the lottery and have everything taken care of in their life for them? But there is something to be said about the hard work. There is something to be said about being able to help other people that is just absolutely gratifying and perfect. Um, and sometimes that work takes a long time. Sometimes it doesn't happen overnight. Um, sometimes those are things that absolutely can only happen over a course of time or a period of time. And so you have to be okay with putting in that work. And I really have been enjoying putting in the work. And I have so much other stuff to tell you guys. And I just can't wait until the next episode because I just want you to hear all of this stuff that has been going on in my life. And you know, to show you that it is, it is okay. That that thing that you think you're not going to be okay with, you're going to be okay with. Um, that thing that you keep fighting against, you know, putting your head up against the wall and like, why, why, why? Because that's what you're being called to do. That's, that's the beauty of sobriety. That's the beauty of being able to say, I'm sober. That's the beauty of being able to be in a position to help other people, even if it's not monetary, even if it's just with acts of service, even if it's with, you know, your hands or talking to them on the phone or being available to just sit with someone or hold their hand or hold them while they're crying or, you know, you don't always have to monetarily help people, you know, and that's one thing that we see all the time is give to this and give to that and give to this. And yeah, there are programs out there that definitely need the monetary support, but there are also programs out there that even if you can't give monetary support, you can help in other ways. And waking up and hosting, a host, I guess hosting, it, chairing a meeting um, and making coffee and, you know, doing the chips and doing the inventory, all of that stuff, all of that makes us better people. That's the kind of stuff that I'm talking about being in service, carrying the message to the next alcoholic. And every alcoholic that you run into that you share the message with, they're not going to get it right away. And that's also okay. And you still have to put your sobriety first. You have to put your wealth and health first because if you don't, you are going to be no good to anybody. And so, you know, it's just one of those things that if we are not taking care of ourselves, then we are no good to anybody else. And I really, I cannot explain how grateful I am for my past, how grateful I am that I only lost 12 years of my life um, drinking and not 50 or 60. I do get frustrated sometimes that, you know, I'm 42 years old and I'm just now starting to live the life I wanted to live. But at the same time, I know that everything that I have gone through has led up to this moment. 
And I know that there are some huge, huge blessings coming and I could not be more excited about them. And I'm excited to share them as I go through them with you. You guys have been with me for the past year, you know, through the highs and the lows and the ups and the downs. And I just love that when I hear from you guys, when you reach out to me and tell me, hey, I've gone through the exact same thing, or thank you for sharing that with me, I needed to hear that, that you guys are essentially able to relate to me. And that's why I love this podcast so much. I know everybody has, you know, tons of guests and, you know, high ranking people or famous people on their podcast, and you guys get me, right? Like, all you get is my story. And I know that's not all that you get, right? But you get my story, And it's enough. It's enough to know that someone gets how you're feeling. And I definitely, definitely get how you're feeling. And I just wanted to say thank you for everything that you have done for me. Everything that you have been there for me through. And um, I just, I, I really want to continue to grow with you. And I think there is something that you guys need to take a look at if you don't mind. It's really an awesome, awesome thing. It's called Sober on the Mat Yoga, okay? She does yoga on Zoom. You can do it for free. Or if you can donate 5 to $10, that would be awesome. Um, but She helps people in sobriety by doing yoga, okay? And let me tell you what, yoga has saved my absolute life from having a chronic illness just to that me time. I've always hated yoga because I've always thought it was stupid. It's a good workout though. Um, But definitely come and check this out. Come and hang out with me on a Sunday morning. Again, it's 8 a.m. Pacific time. 11 a.m. Eastern Time on Sundays, Um, and the account that you need to find is Sober on the Mat Yoga. She is on Instagram. I know this is a repetitive issue, (laughs) Um, which is why I like to put some stuff on Facebook. She's in Denver, so she's also sober in Denver, Um, but come and hang out with us. Uh, Let's give this a shot. Let's take care of ourselves together. Let's put each other first together and hold each other accountable um, to finding different pathways to being healthy. So come and follow her, follow us, um, hang out, check out Sober City Movement, and hopefully um, we can get this community to grow even further. I cannot wait to be back next week because, of course, I have another topic that's burning in my pocket And I would absolutely love to tell you all about it. So I will be back next week. I will look forward to telling you more stories. And um, we're going to talk about acceptance again next week. And I know we've talked about acceptance before, but we're putting a big spin on it. So I will see you guys next week. Until then, be well, fam. Thank you for tuning in to this week's episode of A Sober Girls Podcast. I hope that you heard something that resonated with you and that you can take with you for the next week until we meet again. You can find me on Instagram at A Sober Girls Pod. You can also follow me and friends at Sober City Movement on Instagram as well. If you live in the Richmond area, follow me at Sober in Richmond where we, we plan local sober meetups.
Or if you're just traveling and looking for a friend in the area, there's one of us in almost every city across the continent. Struggling and need help? Just remember that you are not alone. You can reach out to me and any of my friends on Instagram, send us a message. Or if you are in immediate need of help, please search out your sponsor, the closest sober friend, or go online to aa.org to find a meeting that you can attend. There are also Zoom meetings, which you can find on aa.org as well. Have a safe week, and until next time, fam, be well.